Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Moon. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 215 of the NBA Pod. I am Brian Toporek, and today we are going to talk about award season. It is here. It is wonderful. We are going to give our final picks as if we actually had picks. If we did have picks, we would be giving our picks for who would win each major award. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles to so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius with co-host Morton Jensen. Mort, how's it going? Ready for your favorite pod of the year? So so ready, Brian. So ready. <laughs> it's 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 past midnight. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so psyched. Yeah. So psyched to talk about awards. I think the timing of this makes you even more excited. It's really the perfect, perfect blend for this episode in particular. <laughs> and and we should note that we are recording this on Friday. We're going to put it out a couple of days later. Which we, we just, my wife's grandparents are in town this weekend, so we wouldn't have time over the weekend to record. So if any ridiculous stuff happens this weekend, like, if James Harden has an 80-point triple-double and that clinches the MVP race for him, we apologize in advance. We did not see it. We are we are basing this heading into games on Friday. So keep that in mind as you, if you have any gripes with our picks. Um, so I think this year, more a lot of these races, I think there's a, a front-runner for most of them, but you can make mm. a pretty convincing case for a lot of them too. So we're going to start with Rookie of the Year just because... I think that and MIP, there is, are, there's more of a front runner there than any other of the awards. Yes. Rookie of the year, Agreed. you and I, heading into the year, had Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess we have not changed on that stance. That would be an accurate guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why Luka over Trey? You know, Trey has been spectacular over the past couple months in particular. You could argue he's been as good, if not better, than Luca over that time. Why do you still have Luca ahead? Because in the months that started the season, <laughs> Trey was uh, not the current player that he is right now, which was totally fine, by the way. Right. And in the months that Trey has been beasting, you know, Luca hasn't gone into the basement. He's still been Luca Doncic, like averaging twenty plus points, five plus rebounds, five plus assists, hitting multiple threes, getting to the line. You know, being a clutch guy. So, I mean, when when you look at the rise of Trey Young, which is great, by the way. I mean, that's that's not to take anything away from Trey. He's been outstanding. But 
everyone seems to be forgetting that Luca was still relevant. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, so here's here's my favorite Luca statistic, and we've mentioned this before, but he and Oscar Robertson are the only two players to ever average at least twenty one point seven rebounds and five assists as rookies. So mm. he is in historical company with his production this season. Trey, as you said, has been doing very well over the past few months. The Hawks yeah, should, remarkably. Be, should be very excited about his future and optimistic about him as a long-term cornerstone of that program. He has also replaced Isaiah Thomas on ESPN's Defensive Real Plus Minus. Isaiah Thomas is like always the last mm-hmm. guy on that list for the DRPM. Trey Young, out of 512 players in DRPM, is number 512. <laughs> well, okay, that's unfortunate. <laughs> right, right? I mean... I'll, I'll say as much, though. I, I do think he actually looks better defensively now compared to last year at Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, because he's playing with actual NBA talent, <laughs> it does seem like he has more stamina uh, to, to at least compete defensively. I, I mean, I get there are definitely a lot of mishaps, and he, he, he doesn't really read angles all that well, but... I, I think his activity level in the NBA has improved compared to college. So while that is definitely discouraging, I'm not entirely out on him in terms of the future right. when it comes to defense. Right. Um, I don't expect him ever to become like a good you know, one-on-one defender. Mm-hmm. But if he could just become like a slightly below average you know, team system defender, I'm good with that. That's fine. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the worst defender in the league always and forever. Like, Isaiah right. Thomas had clear physical limitations that there was no way he was ever going to be even an average defender. It's just, he's just too small. It, it sucks. Right. He, you know, he supplemented that by being one of the most explosive players in the NBA for a couple of years, so he made up for it. But, you know, Trey Young is bigger than Isaiah, but I, I think especially if you're arguing the race is close, which I don't know that we are, but if you are saying that, then that should be the tiebreaker right there. Like, you can't be the rookie of the year if you are literally, in terms of metrics, the worst defensive player in the NBA. <laughs> I think that's fair. And, and, and you know, people are calling this a tight race between Luka and Trey. Mm-hmm. I, I get where they're coming from because when you look at the overall stat lines, they are somewhat similar. Mm-hmm. And, and now this buzz has started rising about, oh, co-rookie of the year. Yeah, yeah. I just gotta ask: Is is like, I, I'm just gonna say it, out, you know, whatever. If Luke had been an American, had this conversation been that you know been there? I mean, I just think it's recency bias. It's like Luca had been so good right away that like we forget that this is not normal for rookies. And then Trey Young was struggled a lot early on and has gotten progressively better and is now doing really well, but. You also, like, every season we have to tell ourselves, like, okay, let's not read too much into, especially Mm -hmm. the post-All-Star break sample, like, March and April. Like, teams are very much not giving a damn right now. I'm not saying that's why Trey Young has been doing well. I think he has drastically improved from mid-October to now. Like, you know, it's not just that teams aren't giving a damn, but, you know, I'm also not going to say that he stole Rookie of the Year from Luka Doncic because he's dominating the post-All-Star break when most teams are looking very far ahead either to the playoffs or to the lottery. You know, it's... Mm. 
Yeah, I, I don't think... I, I don't particularly think... The race is closer than it was two or three months ago, but yes. I don't think because the race Because there is, wasn't a race. <laughs> right, right. But I still don't think this race is particularly close. I think Luca right. should be the, the clear rookie of the year. Like The voting should not be very close. I think Trey should be absolutely second, and then DeAndre oh, yeah. Ayton should be third. Like DeAndre Ayton's also had a great season, and he's just flown under the radar because Phoenix sucks that much. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think this one's Luca. Luca with the bullet. I, I'm glad you said that because I would rather have its recency bias than it's some sort of like innovative, you know, xenophobia. Or yeah, no, like no, just, no. I, I because, yeah. and I think it's relevant to ask it because Luca was crapped on so much during the pre-draft process. I was really, I still, I still am pretty upset about it because yeah. it just it was very frustrating. And nowadays, it just seems people are so eager to crown Trey as the new rookie of the year, whereas Luca has just dominated all year long. And I just right. I, I just couldn't imagine that happening in other, any other, you know, rookie race. So yeah. hence the question. Yeah. It, it's fair. I mean Luca is still too fat to play in the NBA. That has not gone away. <laughs> but he will be the rookie of the year. He's just gonna be the fattest rookie of the year on record. <laughs> uh let's go to most approved player, which is the other race yeah. I feel like there's a pretty obvious front runner not to say there aren't a bunch of deserving candidates because there always are for this race um but i i feel like pascal siakam's the guy right obviously <laughs> look i mean we're talking about alternatives like d'angelo russell and De'Aaron fox both of those guys were high high lottery picks like d'angelo russell was a former number two overall pick right and and as we've talked about in particular with, with russell like, he hasn't taken that one leap. He's just taking, like, minor leaps every single year mm-hmm. to the point where he's now an, an all-star. And De'Aaron Fox, like, yeah, he took a leap. But it, it, both of those just pale in comparison, first and foremost, to Siakam, yeah. who also kind of came out of nowhere. But the improvement was expected to this degree. Like, De'Aaron Fox is a second-year player. Like, right. If he hadn't made a jump... You would have looked at De'Aaron Fox and gone, well, that's disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like, that's unexpected even because you, you're coming in as a, as a what, the f- number five pick in the draft? I think he was the yep. fifth pick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly athletic, you know, tremendous basketball IQ. Like, him not improving would be <laughs> very weird. So, you know, have, Siakam was like a, I don't know if he was a late or. He was 27 was, overall in 2016. Oh, he was a first rounder. Oh, my fault. All Late right. First yep. Yep. Late first round. Well, that's, it's outside the lottery, so it counts. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. But yeah, I mean, he's basically becoming like the new age Draymond. So yeah. Nice. I mean, how can you not reward that? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, he went from averaging 20.7 minutes. He started five games last season. He's now started all but one game for the Raptors, or all but one of the games he's played this season. Averaging 32 minutes, 17 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, almost a steal in the block per game. You could argue, because Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard have been in and out of the lineup all year, he might be he might have been the Raptors' most important player during the regular season. Like, he kept this team together on nights where Lowry was out or Kawhi was out. They were still that good because, mm. because Pascal took this leap, which was... I mean, he was a good bench player last year. Like, the Raptors had that fun bench mob, and he was part of it. But you didn't foresee, like, 
oh yeah, Pascal is gonna come over, come in over the summer. They're gonna have torn up their starting lineup because they traded Demar. We're gonna put Pascal in the starting lineup, and all of a sudden he's gonna be like a fringe All Star. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> he was like one of the biggest snubs of the All Star game, and not to say that he was like an egregious snub. I mean, D'Angelo Russell definitely deserved that nod, but Pascal was right in that conversation, and absolutely no one would have said that coming into the year. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And here's the thing. He just turned 25 like four days ago. Yeah. So next year, we could be looking at, you know, the, the, the post-leap year where this oh, becomes man. the norm. Yeah. Where, at, where he will still develop further, but not mm-hmm. to the extent where you're looking at him going, oh, he's drastically improved. Because have you noticed this trend? Whenever a player wins most improved, like he kind of gets forgotten about the following year, even if he does improve further. Right. Like, oh, he's gotten the award. No one pays attention anyway. Yeah. Siakam is one of those guys that next year he's probably going to come back and be significantly better again. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that happened. That kind of happened last year, right? It, with? Like, with uh, Oladipo. Like, he won it, and then he was or he was a little worse, I guess, in terms of uh, his per-game production this year. But, like... He kind of just slipped under the radar, maybe because he's in oh, Indiana. Yeah. But, you know, it was just like, oh, well, he's doing the same thing, but he hasn't taken another step forward, so he did kind of get forgotten about. And then Giannis, the year before, unfortunately, he continues to get better and better and better every year. <laughs> you could really put him in the most improved player race probably from now until the time he retires because I don't know what the ceiling is for this kid. No, there is, there is none, but we'll get back to that later on today. Yeah. Yeah, right. Giannis will come up again in this episode. Something tells me. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. just a hunch. <laughs> right. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (laughs) Okay. So since we got those two out of the way, let's go to the two front office-oriented awards. Let's start with Coach of the Year because, again, this is one where I think there is a a potential favorite or at least a guy who Mm -hmm. I I think should be the favorite. Um, But there are a lot of guys with deserving cases this year. So who would you pick Mm -hmm. for your Coach of the Year? Pop. Pop still. You did say, because you picked a preseason. I remember you said if they make the playoffs, it should be they're, him. They're in the playoffs. They are in the playoffs. Yeah. Look, their two stars have combined for, let me just look it up here. Their two stars have combined for 17 threes <laughs> this year. Yeah. In in a combined, in a combined over, over 
Jesus. Over 5,000 combined minutes. Wow. That's wild. I did see a 17 threes. from Micah Adams, who I believe he works for ESPN still. I might be wrong on that, but there, he's tweeted something earlier today. I think it was since like late December. DeMar DeRozan and Ben Simmons have the same number of three-point field goal makes, <laughs> which is zero. Ben Simmons has attempted one more three-pointer than DeMar DeRozan has over the past three months of the season. Wow. My yeah. God. Well, I mean, look, I don't know what to say about this team. I mean, Pop is just making the most out of a weird situation. I don't want to, I don't want to say bad situation because, you know, DeRozan and Aldridge, they are still very, very good players. You know, Derek yeah. White is coming into to his own. You know, Bertans is still a great shooter. You have Bryn Forbes. Hey, my Bryn Forbes prediction is coming alive. Like, he's a player. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Gay kind of bounced back a little bit. So, and you, when you look at the percentages, you can you can see how they win, right? So, even though they're last in the NBA in three-point field goal attempts per game, mm-hmm. they're number one in the league yeah. in percentage. Yep. And even though they're only 24th in free throw attempts, they lead the league in free throw percentage. So they're just so damn efficient. I mean, they they lead the league in you know, fewest turnovers. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I mean, yeah, it's it's really just efficient basketball without having the most efficient shot in basketball being a big part of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, they, they've leaned into the mid-range game more than any other team by far. I think right. they were ahead... I looked it up the other day. I haven't checked since then, but at the time they were they were averaging like twenty five mid range attempts per game, and the next closest team was Golden State at like twenty. I mean, it it wasn't even close. And it's you're right. Yeah. I mean, they have eschewed the three pointer, like they have zigged where every other team has zagged in that regard. Like every other team is like, oh, we need to prioritize shooting only threes and layups. Mori ball for everyone. And the Spurs are like, right. yeah, yeah, you could do that, but we're we're just gonna take a bunch of mid range shots because to our you know our two stars, Demar and Lamarcus, are both very good at that shot. We're not gonna force mm-hmm. them out of their comfort zone if this is effective. Right. I mean, look, I I have tremendous respect for. On, uh, not just the San Antonio Spurs organization for all they've done, but figuring out how to, like you just said, sig when everyone is sagging, and 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 just finding success in like the weird margins. Yeah, it, it just keeps happening year in and year out, and like there's just, and given how much the ro- the much of the roster just turns over, I just can't find another you know reason for it that it's pop i mean he, mm-hmm. he's the heart and soul of this entire team even when he gets thrown out after what 63 seconds <laughs> yeah uh, yep. which was amazing by the it way it really was and then he crashed mike malone's post-game interview afterwards i know so he, he's ready just, for the playoffs too yeah he is um <laughs> no I, I i mean i get it you know you'll bring up all the sex names you know Budenholzer, even Doc Rivers, all all the names that are generating buzz right now. That's fine. Go ahead, do that. I'm I'm still pop. I'm going pop. It's reasonable. I mean, because you also you even mentioned they lost their starting point guard the preseason. Dejounte Murray was supposed to be their starting point played. guard. Yeah, and, has yeah, not played. Didn't play all year, and then freaking Derek White comes in and is a monster. Right, and and their lottery pick or I don't remember if it was a lottery pick but their first round pick sorry oh, Lonnie, Lonnie Walker, Walker. Yeah, yeah 18th pick actually yeah. so outside lottery yeah 14 games yep 
14 games played and less than seven minutes a game. So, yeah. you know, they came in with virtually nothing. Like, right. who is there? Is there any coach in the NBA where you would feel confident giving him this roster, and that you would know automatically <laughs> that he would be able to take them into the playoffs in the Western Conference? Jason Kidd would have won eight games with this roster. Yeah, they they would have yeah. set like an NBA record for futility. I mean, it's, yeah, I, it it is absurd. Like a team with Bryn Forbes and Marco Bellinelli as their fourth and fifth leading scorer is going to be in the playoffs in the year twenty nineteen. Right. So why why isn't Pop getting any recognition for this? Because honestly, I may, there may have been a, an article or two, and then I've just missed it. I've yeah. just not seen his name come up at all in this conversation. You you must have missed my article on it, sir, because at, at the Basketball Writers, I broke down the Coach of the Year race, and I did have him as one of the top five guys, but I did not have him number one. I had Mike Budenholzer number one. Um, well, wait a minute. Did, did, I, I thought I was only supposed to retweet your links. I, I didn't know I was supposed <laughs> to read it. Yeah, I mean, you have to click on it at least. Oh, I, that's... Ideally subscribe, too, but that's fine. That That's that's why people shared their stuff, so I click it. Oh, okay. Right. Click it. <laughs> ideally read it, but I, I understand. You, you do have to pay money. It hurts sometimes. But, yeah, Pop deserves love. Um, Nate McMillan of the Pacers, I think the shine wore off a little bit because they had that brutal March schedule that was very, very easy yeah. to foresee. But, I'm I so, mean... I, I just got to interrupt you there because yeah. I have to poke fun at myself. Because so Nate McMillan when he was hired, I just I wrote a piece that was back with FanRack actually. Uh huh. Oh no. Because he was always like a slow paced coach. Yeah. And like in a league that is increasingly increasingly not slow paced, I just yeah. I hammered the hire. I yeah. hammered it. I just could not see the logic in it whatsoever, and I just I tore the hire a new one. And I have so much egg on my face right now. <laughs> yeah. He, got, he's got he's the same yeah, he's been outstanding. Yeah. Out, just outstanding and just seems to really have understood what it takes to win in, in 2019. I'm, I'm very impressed. And, and just the, the way he's, you know, administrated egos. or Well, not even necessarily egos, but maybe the, the come-togetherness of a team that lost its star player. Yep. It just kind of, you know, inspired them to, to play a very tough-nosed brain of basketball that's defensive inclined and very together and like unselfish like they're a joy to watch and yeah you know that's that's a strong part of that is him so you know hats off to him and and more egg on my face please and thank you yeah i mean they have the third best defense in the league right now like that's absurd absurd when when oladipo went down they don't have that one star like boyan mcdonovich have done a really good job of picking up some of the offensive slack but like they just don't have enough offensive firepower to keep up mm. with the top teams in the East and the West. So, you know, they had that brutal, like, road game or road stretch. It, West Coast road trip. That's what I'm going for. Um, and they just got, you know, they, they got pushed back to reality a little bit. So it sucks. And, like, they're probably going to lose to the Celtics in the first round, which also sucks. Because I think had Oladipo not gotten hurt, this team would have been third in the East. And we would have had Boston yep. Philly in the first round. I would have had to log off Twitter for all of May. So, like... God, it, I can't... You just said it, but... I mean, can we talk about it? Are, are we absolutely certain that <laughs> that Indiana would lose to Boston? Are, are we absolutely certain? With or without Oladipo? No, without. Oh, no, I'm like pretty currently. certain. Yeah, I'm pretty certain. 
We'll, we'll have our playoff know. predictions next week. Yeah, but. yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I agree that they're the favorite, but no, I, I, I just see. I'm seeing a world. I'm seeing a world where something happens. That it is, would nothing would make me happier. I, <laughs> I, I certainly hope they do, but I just. Oh, you're such a hater. <laughs> I, I just don't think Indiana has the firepower, and I do think Boston's about to flip the switch, but. Brad Stevens is not on my list of Coach of the Year candidates, mostly because no. his team is a chemistry dumpster fire. Uh, that's my, that's part of it, and that's kind of crucial for playoff success, isn't it? Right. Uh, Mike Malone was third on my list. Again, oh, the Nuggets yeah, call. kind of faltering as of late, but no one had this team as the second-best team in the West coming into the year. He's done oh, a great job uh, and you know survived a lot of injuries. Gary Harris has been hurt for most of the year. Will Barton missed a lot of time. Paul Millsap missed some time. Like he's done a fantastic job. Him, I think, if nothing else, his handling of the Isaiah Thomas situation, which could have gotten yeah. very ugly and bad. Like he played him for nine games and was just like, you know what, Monte Morris is just better than you. And like, I'm sorry, it sucks. We, you know, we brought you in. We had high hopes for you. We thought you were going to be a six man. We didn't see Monte Morris turning into a potential six man of the year candidate, like the best backup point guard in the league. So right. I just have to do what's best for the team. That That is a very commendable, uh, hard decision for Mike Malone to have made. So kudos to him for that, and I, I think he does deserve some love in this race. Doc Rivers, too. I mean, my God. Mm-hmm. no, the, the, the Clippers were not projected to make the playoffs coming into the year. They outperform expectations. They trade their best player in Tobias Harris at the trade deadline. They continue outperforming expectations. They're the L.A. team in the playoffs. We all thought one LA team was going to make it to the playoffs. No one thought it was going to be the Clippers. So, masterful yep. work from Doc. But, I mean, Budenholzer, look, they're the best team in the league in terms of regular season. They're the only team with a top five offensive and defensive rating. He overhauled that team's scheme completely. I, I just think, and, and we'll go into executive of the year in a second, I think the way that, you know, we, we felt last year that the Bucks underachieved under Kidd and Prunty, no one has that feeling this year. The Bucks are absurd. They're just terrifying. And I, I think, yeah. you know, having Giannis certainly helps. Like, he's never had a player as good as Giannis, but Giannis has also never been as good as he has been this year. I think there's a lot of synergy between the coaching staff, the front office, and the players, and they've all, you know, they, they, they're gonna, I think they're going to win a lot of awards this season. Yeah. Which is, is fair. And, you know... I've seen the argument be made on Twitter once in a while that theoretically you shouldn't have the best coach or the best, you know, the, the coach of the year and then also have, you know, the MVP. Yeah. Because one affects the other. And no, I, I think it's honestly, I, I think it's, it's symbiotic really in right. terms of the, you need one another. And it, it's like a, a perfect pairing of personalities that enhances both sides of the equation. Like, you know, the, the, we have seen it before. You know, players winning an MVP and their coach winning Coach of the Year, where it makes sense and everything was earned. Right, I totally agree, and that could feed into Executive of the Year too, because you could, in theory, make the same argument: Can you have the Coach of the Year and the Executive Year on the same team? I would argue yes. I would say like yeah. John Horst of the Milwaukee Bucks deserves a lot of credit for what he did, bringing in Brook Lopez, bringing in Ersan Eliasova, trading for Nikola Mirotic at the deadline. He, like, Budenholzer came in with a vision and said, like, last year, we, our defense was terrible. Or, or I mean, the Bucks' defense is terrible. Your yeah, defense your is defense. terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't take threes. 
we just weren't playing a modern game. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to drop Brook Lopez back. We're going to force centers to take a bunch of bad threes. We're going to shoot a lot of threes. We're going to attack in transition. We're, we're, he overhauled both of like his offense and his defense. So he came to John Horst and said, this is what I want to do. Let's make it happen. And then John Horst gets Brook Lopez with the biannual exception. Gets yep. Ursan. You know, like he, he built his team in Budenholzer's vision. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Do you think he's the executive of the year? Or do you think there are other guys more deserving of the honor? So I don't think this award has a a front runner. But here's the thing, you know, media members, they get a chance to talk to these guys on a regular basis, at least a lot more than we do. Right. Um, so, so they will also have some opinions that are uh, probably based on something that is uh, not something we as people, the regular people know about. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this from the outside looking in, at the very least, I think John Horst is is right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, Masai Ujiri, you, you you know, you typed out an email to me before we started podcasting where you mentioned Masai, where I'm just like, of course, like yeah. you got Kawhi, you got Marcus All, that's obviously like right there. But to construct an offensive system and defensive system for that matter around your primary asset and incorporating a, a new head coach with the right and using all the right players to make his system go to the extent that John Horst has done for Mike Budenholzer and the entire Bucks organization that is to me very very impressive and I I, I could see that award going several places so I don't have a leading candidate mm. um like gun to my head I think Masai will probably win because of the name recognition you know Kawhi mm. Leonard for crying out loud and Marcus all but if John Horst and so, you know, lifting that trophy at the end of the year, I'll have no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. I, I think if I had to pick as well, it would be Masai, just because I think the the degree of difficulty for the moves that he pulled off was higher than what Horst did, if that makes sense. Like, he yeah, had, no, I agree with that. You know, like, he had a team that kept making the playoffs that, I mean, he had the best team in franchise history, and they kept running into this LeBron roadblock, and he could have continued doing that, said, okay, LeBron you know, LeBron went west. We can just run it back and see what happens if we don't, you know, don't make any other changes and just pray that we don't run into LeBron part two, also known as Giannis. Uh, right. But instead, he, he fires Wayne Casey, brings in Nick Nurse, trades for Kawhi, trades for Marc Gasol. Those are all really tough decisions like giving up DeMar DeRozan a guy who has been the face of your franchise for five plus years that's not an easy call to make but right you know he his fortitude I guess to, you know his his uh courage in making these decisions has been rewarded like the the Raptors look poised to go further than they ever have before at least in part because of the decisions he made so I think those two Horst and Masai should be the front runners. I would pick Masai. I think Lawrence Frank also deserves a hell of a lot of credit for getting that much for Tobias Harris, who he wasn't going to re-sign this summer anyway. I like that's and, and <laughs> you, you'll make fun of me for saying this, but getting Zubac for Mike Muscala, I know the Lakers just handed him like they they apparently didn't even have they him on. literally called him up and <laughs> yeah. said, "Hey, do you want this deal?" <laughs> right, and they just went. Uh, yes, please. Right. Okay, done. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So, yes, I, I won't praise him too much for taking advantage of Lakers' stupidity, but right. it says something to be in the position that, you know, they were able to exploit that. Um, and then Daryl Morey, I don't think he's going to win, but he does deserve a shout-out. It, I, It's very clear that the team owner, Termin, or Tillman Fertitta, told him to get under the luxury tax this year. So him not re-signing uh, Trevor Ariza this summer, I I think if he had it his way, they would have brought the whole team back from last year. But ownership overrules you sometimes. But to make the best of that bad situation, bring in Kenneth Reed, bring in Austin Rivers out of buyout situations, both, at, both of them at a time where Chris Paul and Clint Capella were injured and they're you know, their team was in a lot of trouble. They were under 500 for the first part of the year. And it looked like, you know, all of us were being like, whoa, God, what's happening with the the Rockets? This sucks. Like, they're going to, they had, they were a 65-win team, and they had a chance to dethrone the Warriors, and they're going to fall apart because their owner yeah. cheaped out. And Maury, you know, made some magic happen, and now they look like they're going to be right back at the Western Conference Finals, possibly. So, shout out to, shout out to him for salvaging what looked at first like a potentially lost season. While I absolutely agree with you, there is just one thing I would like to point out regarding that. Okay. Because the the Austin Rivers acquisition, which is one that you note, uh, that is, you know, of notoriety for that for that season, mm-hmm. you know, that could have gone both ways because Chris yeah. Paul is on that roster. And yeah. they those two did not get along in L.A. So if that had continued, I'm sure that he had conversations with Chris beforehand, but you know, it's one thing to have a conversation with a player before a trade is made and then after the trade is made and everyday life settles in, you know, things yeah. can pop up. It, it's so, so that situation could have looked absolutely horrible. True. It just, it just didn't. And that's, I don't know if, if that's to Maury's credit or is it just like the, the team's overall credit for them just having their eye on the ball and going, you know what, let's put aside all personal differences. Yeah. And you know, either way, it's fine. Like it, it falls into the win category for Daryl, which is like fine. That's awesome, and he's he's been such a consistent, you know, GM for so long that I have no problem putting him up there. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. The Starlight Lounge presents an evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, the moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Okay, let's switch now. We'll go back to some player awards. Let's go to sixth man of the year. Mm. I, I think there was, at the mis- middle of the season, it was literally anyone's game. Like, there were a number of deserving candidates. I'd say now three guys have risen to the top, but I wouldn't have a problem with any of them winning. Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, uh, Sabonis. Right. Who do you have as yours? 
Well, I, so I, I'm thinking about this logically, and I I, I do know I le- that I mentioned Sabonis before, and it's not out of you know sentiment that I'm choosing him again. Uh-huh. But I have a feeling that Lou Williams and and Montrezl Harrell can can actually end up stealing votes for one another. Mm. So I think it could could be Sabonis, and also let's just not forget the fact that Sabonis is also very much worthy. Yeah, just like the two others. I mean, yeah, just been outstanding. Uh, Harrell is averaging what sixteen and a half points, six and a half rebounds, five five three pro attempts per game, one almost a block and a half in twenty six minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. And yeah. of course, you know. Lewis is just a gutter that he's always been. He's been more of a facilitator as well this year, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And then you just have Sabonis, who's just like the ultimate rebounder, interior player, you know, playmaker as well from the interior. I think it'd be really fun to just put those three guys on the same team. I oh, know two man. of them are already there, but like, yeah. to add Sabonis to that mix, that could be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Get on it, Clippers. Try to steal. Because, yeah. I mean, there might be a time where the Pacers have to choose one of Sabonis or Turner. And they locked up Turner already. So, yeah, let's right. let's hope the Clippers can get creative because that would be a lot of fun. Um, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, like, Sabonis is so deserving. But I do think it's going to Lou this year. And I know you hate this award in particular because it usually just goes to the guard that scores the most off the bench. And... If Lou wins, you know, of the leading candidates, that he is the highest scorer. I do think there's something, though, not only to what he's done this year. Like, on a per 36-minute basis, he's setting career highs in points, assists. uh, Not threes, surprisingly, but, I mean... Free free throw attempts, potentially? uh, Yep, free throw attempts and makes. So... Yeah, he is a high-volume, not-super-efficient gunner, but the Clippers need that, especially since t- trading Tobias Harris. Like For them to have stayed afloat in the wake of that trade, when they made that deal, it looked like, oh, okay, the Clippers are punting on the season. They want you know, they owe a lottery-protected pick to the Celtics. Maybe they want to keep that pick and you know miss mm. the playoffs barely for the next year or two, avoid conveying that pick. That's fine. That's cool. But no, like, Lou Williams has just been so good for them that, uh, I mean, unfortunately, they're going to lose their pick this year because Lou Williams has been really good. But in, in that sense, I mean, I think that's, he's going to win six, man. I know you hate it, but. No, 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 no. I think this is fine because he is, look, again, 20 points a game on 26 and a half minutes, six and a half free throw attempts, five and a half assists almost. So he he offers a lot like in in very limited minutes, right? Like yeah. you know he's he's very close to actually being a thirty point scorer when you adjust it to per thirty six. When you right. really think about it, right? That's substantial. However, you twist it, yeah. the fact that he also throw in throws in like you know, you know what's that on a per thirty six level? Uh, seven plus assists on a per thirty six basis. You know, over eight three throw attempts. Like, and I know everything shouldn't be made off of per 36, but right, right. It, that, that's just a way to, like, you know, put it into context just how ridiculous his current season is. Yeah. I mean, from a scoring perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so I don't have a problem with that specifically. It's more like when a guy comes off the bench, averages, like, 17, and it's, like, the second leading scorer for a team, but he's he's basically a pseudo-starter. I, I know that Lewis is this, but, I mean, just the sheer 
season he has right now is, is just borderline insane. So, like, Jamal Crawford is my primary right. go-to example. That's, <laughs> I have a problem with the, the amount of six-man-of-the-year awards that he has. And I have a problem with the amount of six-man-of-the-year awards Tosh Gibson has, which is none. That is reasonable. Well, I believe yeah. Jamal has three, right? It's, oh, I thought it was four. I think it's, I want to say it's three. Yeah, he, he has it. three, and Lou Williams, if he wins this award, Two. will tie Jamal Crawford with, yep. for the most six-man-of-the-year awards of all time. So you you should almost be rooting for Lou Williams in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm staying with my Moisa Bonus pick. That's reasonable. One one other thing I do want to mention with for Lou, he is tied with Damian Lillard, in term and Paul George actually, in terms of clutch free uh, clutch made field goals. So field goals within the last five minutes of the game, above or behind five right. points. All three of them have thirty four made field goals. He is shooting the best of it out of them by far, forty six point six percent. Yeah, now he's he's been amazing. Yeah, he's been absolutely amazing. What. He, his clutch gene is real. And I actually wonder once in a while why you wouldn't, if you're a contender, and with with his very manageable contract, why you yeah. wouldn't go out and, and get him if you are a team that could use an upgrade at the end of game situations. Right. Yeah, I know. It it physically pains me that in that Tobias deal, they, the Sixers could not have pried away either Lou Williams or Patrick Beverly. Yeah. That was... Uh, Oversight on their part, or maybe the Clippers. I think the Clippers like value these guys properly, and are like, no, we these guys are really they're way too good to be throw-ins in a trade. Absolutely not. Like, yep, Lou Williams is I, I, one of our best clutch performers. He's the leading scorer on this team right now. Since Tobias is gone, he is averaging twenty point two points. Danilo Gallinari is at nineteen point eight. He is the Clippers' leading scorer, and he's a star single game. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, so so. Doc Rivers was on Voach's podcast recently, and he oh. talked about like the good guy, you know, that they have good guys and yeah, who are uh, just just built for this scrappy mentality of not necessarily having a superstar, but coming together and doing all types of weird stuff. Like, yeah, I, I think they generally, you know, love this group. Yeah, interesting. Okay, let's go to Defensive Player of the Year, Mort. All this right. one. I think we both picked Gobert at the start of the year. I that think is I, correct. I was a, I was like, I think I was between Gobert and Kawhi, and I'm pretty sure I picked Gobert. I hope I picked Gobert. Someone could go back and listen and yell at me if I'm wrong, and I might have picked Kawhi because I wanted to. But luckily, I think the load management stuff scared me from away from Kawhi, and I think I went with a safe pick. So I'd that's say, what scared me. So that would make yeah. sense if it scared you as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Gobert is definitely in the mix. I'd say Giannis is up there too. Mm-hmm. Paul George and Joel Embiid up there, but probably a little further back. I feel like it comes yeah. down to Gobert or Giannis. Who do you have? I think that's fair. Yeah, I have Gobert, but you know what? I would love it if Giannis won it. Yeah. And then he also took the other hardware that we're going to talk about <laughs> in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Because that would be just fantastic. Yeah. The year of the Greek freak, Greek freak. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that. I mean, that would just be fantastic. I feel like I wish I the voters could know if Giannis is going to win MVP 
Because, like, if not, he should definitely win Defensive Player of the Year. Like, there, there is no way right. that the season he is having should go completely unrewarded. But, yeah. but that said, I would also go with Gobert here. I mean, it, he started off slow. I remember we we did a pod, like, at the first quarter mark of the season. And, we you know, we were talking about Defensive Player of the Year. And we're like, Gobert is not in the mix right now. Like, he, he was nowhere. I think... Paul George was up there already. Giannis was up there already. Uh, I think, I want to say Marc Gasol actually started off really well defensively too. I'm pretty sure he was up there. But Gobert was yeah. nowhere to be found. Then they, the Jazz straightened stuff out pretty quickly. They're now the second best defense in the league. Uh, the Bucks are first. So, again, I think, you know, if you're looking for defensive player of the year candidates... OKC is fourth, so Paul George has a good shot. The, the Sixers are thirteenth. I, I, like they are so much better defensively with Embiid than when he doesn't play. But I just don't think the DPOY can come from a team that is that average on defense mm. overall. So yeah, Gobert for me. I mean, if you're looking in terms of like advanced metrics, these guys are basically tied. They're literally tied in both defensive win shares and defensive blocks plus minus. So that isn't much of a tiebreaker here uh for me it's just like gobert he does lead the league in defensive real plus minus so i guess that could be a tiebreaker but it's also just he is the utah jazz defense he is their system they built the whole (laughs) damn thing around him Giannis is a terrifying swarming defensive presence but the the bucks defense isn't necessarily as structured around him as the Jazz defense is around Gobert. You think so, though? I, I mean, I think the whole Jazz defense is literally like, we have Gobert, so we can play a certain way because we know if we let a guard go by us, like, we still have this right. giant seven foot two shot swatting behemoth in the center. Like, we're not afraid in that regard. Whereas Giannis, it's like, yeah, I mean... You, he's going to be everywhere, and he is so versatile, and he can guard whoever. But they also, I mean, a lot of their defense is this drop-back coverage from Brooke Lopez, which yeah. I think has been a big part of you know, their renaissance on that end of the floor. So I think that's kind of where the tiebreaker is in my mind, is just like Gobert is just such a singularly dominant presence, and it's not going to show up necessarily in box scores like he's not Mm. going to lead the league necessarily in blocks per game um just because teams aren't going to go after him they know it's a terrible idea like we we have years and years of evidence of this at this point where like if you go against rudy gobert if you're like trying to force stuff against rudy gobert he's going to destroy you so he's acting Mm -hmm. as like such a deterrent that teams have to like revise their offensive scheme Against the Jazz, yeah. Right. Counterpoint to that, however you try to avoid Giannis, you can't. Because (laughs) of his agility and his movement and his athleticism and length. That is true. Ask Joel Abid last night. (laughs) So, I mean, you can look at it both sides, right? Because, you know, know, when you have... Giannis on the field or on the field. Wow, it was just <laughs> on the court. It's late, man. It's yeah. it's a half past one in the morning. So, um, yeah, it, when you have Giannis on the court and you basically uh, are trying to look at seams in the defense that opens up, and even if he's on the weak side, like you just cannot guarantee anything. 
Like if you be in, begin a, a dribble drive and he's like twenty feet away from you, forget about it. He can he can make it. He can still beat you. And mm-hmm. I think there's a level of concern when opponents just start that dribble drive, or, or basically just run you know dribble hands off whenever they basically enter <laughs> inside the three point arc. Yeah. I think they're kind of nervous because Giannis covers so much ground. It's insane. Like yeah. he can actually come in, rotate over. Uh, you can see a skip pass, and Giannis will still beat the ball out in the corner for that pass so the receiver just doesn't have time to launch a shot. Right. Like, that's, that's just extraordinary. And I've seen Gobert do it in a, a couple of times, but at, at the same time, he's 7'2". Like, he's very long. He's very athletic for someone his size. Mm-hmm. But he just, I mean, it's not Giannis-like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no. I, I think if you're making the case for Giannis for DPOY, it's A, he is more versatile than Gobert. And B, if you and these metrics are noisy, which is part of the problem. Like it's hard to quantify defense. Yeah. But especially if I'm about to cite on-off ratings, which is a terrible idea. It is really hard to quantify this stuff. With all that said, the Utah Jazz defense is better with Rudy Gobert off the court this year. It's a one. They allow 102.6 per 100 possessions with him off. 103.0 with him on. Giannis. They allow 100.6 with him on, 100.3 with him off. So it's they are 2.4 per 100 possessions better defensively yeah. with him on the floor. And you can see it. You're right. Like they, they, they don't have to necessarily structure their defense. It's just like, all right, Giannis, go. Like, sick, attack. And then he does. Yeah. And, I mean, last night he proved – I mean, he destroyed Ben Simmons on both ends of the court. But he also came up with some really nasty blocks on Embiid. I think he blocked Embiid four times. And for a not... Four? I think so. He had five overall, and I think four of them were on Embiid. And for a non-center to do that to the guy who recently proclaimed himself the most unstoppable player in the NBA, like, that's absurd. I mean, last night's game was both his MVP and his DPOY. Like, he submits that tape to the committee for consideration because it was just masterful on both ends of the court. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know what? I'm. I'm changing my pick. You going to Giannis? I'm going with Giannis regardless. Now, yeah. I, I like it. I like it. I, I'm still going with Gobert, but I think this one is close. I think you can make a really legitimate argument either way. Yeah. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the. Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And since we're on Giannis, we have to That's wrap what up. I was waiting for. We have to wrap up <laughs> with MVP. And speaking of races, let's get. I just want to get this right from the start. Speaking of races, that you could make a very legitimate case for both of these guys. 
Like, the only thing I don't want to hear about this MVP race is that it is so obviously my guy, and if you choose the other guy, you're stupid. Like, no. Both Giannis and James Harden are very, very deserving of MVP, yeah. and it frankly sucks that one of these guys will not win because yeah. had if you put this season, whichever one loses, if you put their season in comparison to a number of the past MVPs, they would have blown them out of the water. Agreed. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of rough watching like Houston fans' reactions to last night's game. I, I woke up, I didn't see the game. Yeah. Um, but but just uh, waking up to Houston fans reacting to Giannis's forty-five point game right. last night. Yeah. That was that was kind of ugly. <laughs> it seems yeah. like basically their argument was James Harden scores more points is less, and is less better. Right. Which I mean. Look, Harden scores almost what ten points more a game. I think like nine points, whatever. Mm-hmm. That is substantial. That is definitely <laughs> substantial. Like yes. from an offensive perspective, there's no doubt that Harden is, you know, just better, mm-hmm. uh, he, more well versed, and and you know, a better free throw shooter or better free point shooter, just multifaceted in any way as an offensive player. Mm-hmm. But there's just more to the game than just that, and that's why personally I have Giannis as my MVP. I think he just does more for your defense, hence why I pick him as my DPOY. And I think he's still obviously the main cog offensively as well as like primary playmaker, primary scorer. And I get that he's not, you know, a plug and play player like James Harden who can just go in and do whatever he wants. Like the, you, you need to structure, you know, a team around Giannis to really maximize his his production. But when you do, and the Bucks have done so, it's devastatingly effective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just such a tough race because every time, like, you can make such good arguments for both of these guys, and every time I, yeah. I think I settle on one, then I'm like, oh wait, but actually. Maybe I uh, maybe I should consider the other because so like oh you sw- have you switched over a few times? Yeah, I haven't fully switched, but I've okay. I mean as I was sitting and thinking about like this episode, I really started diving into the cases and shout out to Matt Moore of the Action Network who's written from what I've seen the most comprehensive breakdown of this race by far. Like he he did one for he did separate like this is the case for James Harden and this is the case for Giannis and these are like. Very, very thorough articles. If you guys haven't checked them out, you should. Um, Because A, that will tell you that there is a very legitimate case for both of these guys. Uh, But B, I mean, look, James Harden right now is averaging more points per game than anyone since Michael Jordan in 1986-87. Like, that cannot go ignored. What he did, I mean, the Rockets struggled at the start of the year. They lose Clint Capella. They lose Chris Paul to injuries. It looked like they were dead in the water. His 30-point, I know the round number fascination is dumb, and it's frankly hilarious for Rockets fans to bring up the 30-point streak when they're talking about round number fascination, when they're still aggrieved about the triple-double Russ Harden MVP race from a couple (laughs) years ago. But, I mean, that kept them afloat through a very rough stretch. They're now the third seed in the West. As far as we know, they can get up to number two. It's this was a spectacular season from James Harden. Yeah, he won MVP last year, and he's having a better season this year, mm. which is remarkable. And and I read Rick Buecher of Bleacher Report had a story uh, come out on Thursday 
where he interviewed a lot of guys around the league, a lot of players, and was asking, like, all right, like, who do you have? You know, Giannis or Harden? And uh, a lot of guys chose Harden. More guys chose Harden than they chose Giannis, which made me, like, that's what made me first really take a step back. Like, Steph Curry picked Harden over Giannis, and I think Fournier did too. Um, And their whole case was, like, we know what it's like to defend these guys, and J- James Harden's literally unstoppable. Like his, mm-hmm. I mean, the step back three is just so lethal. And now he's got this floater too. It's never been more effective. Yes, he's not as impactful on defense as Giannis. It goes without saying, but he isn't as bad as he was a couple years ago, or as bad as he he made it out to be. Uh, I think Sam Amick of the Athletic was talking with Mike D'Antoni the other day. And then their defensive assistant coach came in and was like, oh, wait, I have so many stats as to, like, how how Harden's actually kind of a decent defender, especially in the post. Like, he, he you know, I think he's averaging two assists or two steals a game, right? 2.1. Yeah. Yep, so. Yep. And he, almost a block. Yeah. So, like, he has made, Giannis is better defensively. There is no question about that. But yep. it's not like, you know, the the mixtape of errors that came out for about James Harden's defense a couple of years ago. You're not going to find that as much this season. So that's the case for Harden. Giannis, you know, if we're, we're talking about round numbers here, the guys who have averaged 27 points, 12 rebounds, five assists per game in NBA history, Wilt Chamberlain did it twice. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor. Kareem, when he did it, it was in 1975-76. So what Giannis is doing this season has not been done in 40-plus years in the NBA. I throw in steals, blocks, three-pointers, nothing else aside from points, rebounds, assists. Yep. He's he's having a better year than Kevin Garnett's ever had. Yeah. I mean, like, yes, Harden is putting up historic scoring numbers, but Giannis is putting up historic all-around numbers. So I, I right. feel like... If you're using the history argument, you need to stop because both of these guys have it. Like that's that's not the tiebreaker here. So yeah, I mean for me it it comes down to the two way the two way play definitely is a factor. Harden is better on offense than Giannis, but Giannis is better than defense on defense than Harden. Is Harden so much better on offense than Giannis? Like is the gap there bigger than the gap between Giannis and Harden on defense? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's where I'm leaning no. I yeah. think the influence he has defensively, Giannis that is, just outweighs the offensive advantage that Harden has on him. Yeah. And then, like, in terms the advanced metrics, again, take your pick. Like, Giannis right now has a PR of 30.7. Harden is 30.6. Harden's ahead of him in terms of box plus minus and VORP. Giannis is ahead of him in terms of win shares per 48 minutes. So, like, that's another thing that's tricky for me is Harden's averaging four more minutes a game than Giannis. So do you reward Harden for having to carry a heavier load for his team or for playing for Mike D'Antoni, who doesn't know to rest his starters in, like, 30-point blowouts? (laughs) Whereas Mike Budenholzer has been taking a very proactive 21st century approach to minutes. You know, he, he knows, like, all right, we're just destroying teams. We're annihilating teams. There's no reason for Giannis to be out there at the end of a 15-point, 20-point blowout. Like, let's 
So what we should we should reward players for because they suffer from their hand of their coaches? <laughs> right. That's I do, I don't know. I don't think so. It seems yeah, unfair. I, I'm not going down that rabbit hole whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, he like the production. Harden does have a greater chance to put up the production because he's played more than 400 minutes more than Giannis this season. So yeah. that factors in as well. But I mean, ultimately, I think it's it's the two way impact of Giannis and the fact he's playing for the best team in the league, the best regular season team in the league. They're putting, you know, they have a historic scoring margin. I think that speaks volumes. Like, yes, the Rockets were dead in the water without James Harden. And yes, he salvaged their season and he's putting up monster, monster numbers. But, like, going into this season, the mm-hmm. Milwaukee Bucks were not supposed to be the top team in the East. It was supposed to be Boston, right. Toronto, and then some combination of Philly, Milwaukee, and Indiana. Milwaukee is the they have a better record. They are four and a half games out of the Golden State Warriors right now. No yeah. one saw that coming. So do you fault the Rockets for being subject to higher expectations coming off their sixty five win season? And do you give credit to Giannis and the Bucks because they were so underwhelming under Jason Kidd last year? Like does Jason Kidd deserve an assist if Giannis wins MVP? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no. Uh, let's let's get that out of the way immediately. Um, uh, no, I catch your drift, and, and this is why I'm such a big fan of awards, Brian. As you know, <laughs> it, it is it is the well established uh, rule set of how to determine, you know, certain awards, right? Yeah. No, it's it's all so subjective. I mean, look, if we you can even go into like the the statistical anal- analysis. And like, if I told you right now that on a per thirty-six minute scale, James Harden only scores five points more a game than Giannis, yeah, that kind of puts things into perspective. But at the end of the day, that's not what is happening on the court because, like right. you said, yeah, you know, Harden is playing significantly more, which means he's averaging almost nine points more per game, mm-hmm. almost double up from you know the per fi- the per thirty-six numbers. So, what you really have to t- look at is. Yeah, you kind of said it. What do you weigh? Do you weigh the raw numbers in this perspective? Because, you know, what guys actually did? Or do you lean into, like, the hypothetical that is, oh, if they were on, you know, if if Harden was on a minute restriction or if Giannis was playing 37 minutes a game or if, if Harden had this system or if Giannis was on this team with this much help instead of, like, you can always go into the hypotheticals, but... At the end of the day, this award goes to what's happening on the court and has happened on the court for the full season. Mm-hmm. And then you just then comes back to like what it always comes back to personal preference. Yeah. Like what do you like as a fan <laughs> and as a as an analyst and as a media person? Like where do you put your values in terms of the game? Because we all put different you know values in the game. I mean, my former co-host Mark Karanzoulis, you know, loves Ryan Archidiakono and Kirk Heinrich and those type of players, and would probably prefer having you know fifteen of those players <laughs> running around. Uh, I mean, and and not having a single you know, a single guy averaging more than fifteen points per thirty six minutes, which is fine. Whereas I would I would probably take way too many Antonio Blakeneys because I love you know gunners with lots of potential. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's just it's a matter of personal preference. I I like two way players. I'm not gonna lie. I think that is where 
you know, my big love for the game comes to you know, players who can contribute positively on both sides. Mm-hmm. And Giannis also dominates as a rebounder. Let's not forget that. Yeah. But what really sold it for me was he just increased his productivity from everywhere and his minutes getting decreased like significantly. Like mm-hmm. he got better after, you know, Bud come in and he just as a player he took responsibility for that change, came in and said, "You know what? You you're the new coach here. I'm going to do whatever I can to appease you. I'm going to do whatever I can to make your system work." And it it's it's in harmony. You yeah. Got to reward that. Yeah. And, and again, off or on off numbers are super noisy. So this should not be yeah. The deal breaker here, or the tiebreaker, or whatever. Lay them on them. With Giannis on the court, the Bucks outscored teams by twelve point six points per one hundred possessions. With him mm-hmm. off, three point six. So it's a differential of nine points per one hundred possessions. All right. With Harden on, the Rockets outscored teams by five point four points per one hundred possessions. With him off, three point one, a difference of two point three. Again, that's significant. Yeah, it's yeah, not, of course. Noisy. Yeah, right. It's noisy. It's not the end all be all, but it is another factor to consider. With Giannis on the court, the Bucks are just steamrolling teams on both ends, just absolutely boat racing teams. I mean, the one thirteen, or yeah, the one thirteen point three would be the fifth best offense in the league. The hundred point, hundred point six is by far. I mean, the Bucks have the best defense in the league at one hundred four point five. Like. Mm. You know, it, it it's just with him on the floor, it's like they're I don't know. It it comes, it's it's yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's because it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I best guess. player on the best team, and often that's what it comes down to. But like you also yeah. have James Harden, so I promise, if you get into an MVP debate this week, I will listen to any debate until someone says. It's my guy, and there isn't another choice. If if anyone other than Giannis or Harden wins, I'll agree with you. Like, Paul George is in this race for a while, but the shoulder yep. injury, the late-season slump, he's out. There are a lot of guys you could debate the 3-4-5. We're not going to do that. It's Giannis or Harden, and I will not have a problem with whoever wins it. Both of those guys are super deserving. Right. And also, like, here's here's something to, to maybe put Bucks fans at ease if Harden wins it. You know, Harden is 29. Yeah. Giannis is going to own this league for the next decade, at the yeah. very least. He'll yeah. get his MVPs. Oh, my <laughs> he God. He will absolutely get his MVPs. I, yeah, I was thinking about this today. Like, even if he doesn't win this year, A, that's going to piss him off, and he's going to get, he's going to come right. back with that motivation in his belly next year, which is terrifying. But yeah, like, who's going to stop this guy from winning the next five MVPs? Uh, his minutes restriction if you go that route like, <laughs> right. I don't know I, I, no. I was thinking maybe Kevin Durant if he goes to the Knicks with no help and just guns no. and puts up like 40 points a game but no because they're not going to win right I know I I don't like Embiid if he could get his turnovers in control and, and shooting injuries. percentages yeah but I, I, don't... I don't I don't think so no man look let's just acknowledge it like Giannis is going to be the face of the league for the next, like, seven to ten years. Yeah, as well he should be. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, so I actually have, like, just to wrap up the MVP thing, mm-hmm. I've seen this thing being thrown around, like, you know, they 
people are trying to compare Giannis to LeBron because, you know, LeBron was the face of the league. It's pretty apparent that Giannis is going to be that. So, you know, those comparisons. From where I'm sitting, I'm looking at this era's, you know, new age version of Kevin Garnett. Mm. He's just better. Not just because they have a similar statistical profile, mm-hmm. but also just because of, I think, if you put Giannis back in, like, KG's era, he would play a style that's very reminiscent of KG. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's, that's like, the comp, right? I don't think you can compare him to, like, Magic and LeBron and, you know, the the... You know the playmakers first and foremost type of guys. Like, yeah, right, I get right. that that he's a playmaker and a play you know a, a playmaking initiator, but he's not one of those guys who's out there averaging eight assists and like being you know oh let me let me go out of my way to pass the ball twenty times before <laughs> I take my own shots. Like no, he's aggressive as well he should be. Mm-hmm. Like and he he knows that he's got the team on his back and he's a very willing passer. He can make this skip pass. He can make you know the pass from the post. He can do all that th- stuff. But at the same time, he's the defensive anchor. He's the leading rebounder. He's all those things. Like to me, he just it just screams current era KG. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm I'm wondering, have we ever seen anyone like this guy before? Like no. I I don't think there was a previous Giannis. I just think I almost like hate that we're trying to compare him to anyone because like. There just hasn't been anyone like him. And I don't know that there ever will be again. Maybe down the line. But I, I just think he is such a singularly unique talent that, like, I just hope no one ever turns on him like we did for LeBron for a while. No, because let's no. just enjoy that we get to watch this guy play basketball for the next 10-plus years. He's incredible. He's too happy for having people to, you know, turn on him. I think, yeah. you know, from a personality perspective, he's he's much more like Tim Duncan. Right. He's not gonna make a fuss. I hope like, so. I hope so. No, no, he's 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 very relaxing. Well, Rockets fans are gonna do the heel turn the second he we beat Harden for MVP. So that'll be one fan base who's out on him. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> Enough said. Yeah. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices. Just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance clearance uh okay so before we wrap up let's zoom through some all nba teams as well we did this somewhat recently so not too much has changed presumably but i think especially in the third team there are a couple interesting debates to have first team harden and courier locks Giannis is a lock yep where do you stand with kevin durant and paul george well i mean look the Paul George has been in a slump. You also you've alluded to it like five times already on this <laughs> podcast, and I think it's completely fair. And KD is is just consistently great, right? I mean, we just 
always over- overlook him because of the Golden State factor, which is tiring and boring and dull, and we need to get over that. He's he's been outstanding. Uh, for that, uh, I'm taking KG, but I don't know how many games OKC has left. But if you know PG goes crazy in the final ones and you know forty a game and elite defense and whatnot, then I could be persuaded yeah. to make the switch. Um, but but yeah, I mean both are obviously deserving. So this is such a this is a tough question overall. I mean right. I, I I'm looking at that first team, and I'm just thinking, oh, you know, you could make a legit argument for so many guys. Whereas it's easier for me to like fill it out the first team. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going KD as well. But that's no disrespect to Paul George. It's just he had a tough month or so, and you know Kevin Durant, as you said, has just been under the radar excellent the whole year. I mean, he's averaging 26-6 and almost 6 assists a game. Career high, 5.8, in fact. Like, he's just, he's like a cat toying with his food. Like, he just, <laughs> you know, like, he could be yeah. doing so much more. He's averaging 26 points on 18 shot attempts a game. Like, it's it's absurd. Um, center spot, Embiid or Jokic? So I'm I'm actually leaning Jokic a little bit uh, because of team record um, mm-hmm. and just overall influence, but the thing is I also like defense. Yeah, I I like defense a lot, and it beats you know he's a tremendous defensive player. He's his offense. If he was just a bit more offensive efficient, and we've talked about this at length, like mm-hmm. with his physical profile. There's no way he shouldn't be shooting 55, 57% from the field. There's just no way. Yeah. It's just ridiculous that he isn't. So that's always like the big spot for me that I'm looking at with him. And that he just hasn't really improved in that segment whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of torn. Do you go with the ultra efficient, you know, uber offensive player in Jokic, who's like the craziest point center we've ever had? Or do we go with the reincarnation of Shaq? <laughs> a Shaq who can Man. shoot threes and hit free throws. Yeah, and then just be less overall offensive efficient, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's tough. I, I'm, I'm probably leaning Embiid because of the defense. But, I, I mean, if Jokic makes it, I wouldn't hate it. That's where I am, too. I, I just think the Sixers suck so badly anytime Embiid isn't on the floor. Which is kind of an unfair reason to give it to him, but like they can be so good when he does play, and then he misses games and they just get their brains beat in by like Orlando. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> like they have too much talent to be this bad without him, but he is just so the heartbeat of that team. And you could say the same about Jokic. I mean, we just haven't, like, unfortunately, or like, fortunately for him, he has stayed healthy and we haven't had to see the Nuggets without him. Right. And, you know, he's, like, again, the best passing big, best passing seven-footer we've ever seen. Like, putting up ridiculous numbers. But the defense thing, I think it is, it can be a tiebreaker in this regard because, you know, we asked that about Giannis and Harden. Is Harden better, like, <laughs> is Harden's gap offensively on Giannis bigger than Giannis's gap defensively on Harden? Right. I think Embiid's gap defensively over Jokic is bigger than Jokic is over Embiid. So, yeah. also I, I think I'm that's fair. Most, mostly because I'm a <laughs> Well, obviously. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair because, I mean, 
we have to be. You know, th- this is this is the the, the the time to take the discussion where you really can go in and criticize the margins, right? Right. So Jokic, for example, is only shooting 31% from downtown this year, which mm-hmm. isn't great. Like, he's just been off from downtown. Yeah. He doesn't get to the line a lot. Like, only four and a half times per game. Yeah. That could be, you know, upped a little bit. So, you know, this is, this is a situation where we, of course, are nitpicking. But when we're choosing these spots, that's what you do. You nitpick. That's right. what it comes down to. Yeah, and like Embiid hasn't been super efficient, but he gets the line ten point two times a game. Like that is right. his strategy: is just barrel into the post and get people in foul trouble, and that's why they struggle a lot without him because yeah. that is what their offense is predicated on, and they don't have anyone who can do that without him. That's why I laugh when people say that bully ball doesn't work in the NBA anymore. Oh like, yeah, what? Yeah, like, watch, I mean, watch yeah, Joel it doesn't happen for it. Right. I mean, of course, it doesn't. It doesn't work for everyone. But like right. for for the people with the right physical profiles and the basketball IQ and the offensive touch, yes, it absolutely works. Yeah, I mean, zero yeah. question. Uh, okay, second team, Damon Kyrie. Do you agree for the second team guards? Yeah, I mean, I Kyrie is just. I was kind of flirting with the idea of putting Bradley Beal up there Ooh. instead of Kyrie. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, team success factors in. And well, but Bradley Beal would be, he'd be hurt because of that, right? Or is that what you're huh? saying? Bradley Beal would yeah, be Yeah, Bradley Beal would be hurt. That's, yeah, that's okay, what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I, and I that, that was the counter argument oh, okay, for Beal. Like, okay, that's, gotcha. Like, that's, that's the problem, right? He's not yeah. playing for a winning team. Right. Kyrie is. But I do think that from a per, you know an individual perspective, Bradley Beal has had a much better season than Kyrie. And he um, hasn't thrown his teammates under the bus like every five right. games. <laughs> right. Right. Like, stuff like that actually matters. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I can see a world wherein, like, Bradley Beal makes it over Kyrie on the second team if people mm-hmm. are just, like, all in love with the way Beal is played. But he's probably going to make it. I totally agree with your selection with Damian Lillard on the second team because, yeah. yes. Yeah. And Stone obviously, right. And PG thirteen, yep. obviously, uh, Kawhi, and then whoever's remaining of Embiid and Jokic. Yep. yep, yep, luck. But the Kyrie thing is just yeah, it's a little bit off to me because, like you said, he just threw his teammates under the bus. <laughs> Boston has been weird. Yeah, you know, it's there's just so many things with him all the time where he's right. just. It seems like basketball isn't always like the main priority, and I'm just once in a while I'm just going, let me find a basketball player. Who isn't talking about the <laughs> earth is flat and who throws his team under the buzz and whatever, like does all these weird stuff and like has, you know, turns every question into some kind of weird, you know, college lecture of something. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, just a guy who thinks and breathes basketball. That would be nice. And, and Beal just fits that bill. I would have taken Kemba Walker had he not, you know, as the season went on, become less efficient and... Mm. Yeah, and, and of course, Charlotte just isn't winning, and yeah. that's unfortunate. But, but Kemba's season, I feel, is unfortunate that it's not getting more recognition. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk about Beal for the third team, because I, I think he's probably the last spot in. Uh, mm-hmm. Or at least, like, I think Russ is going to make it third team, if not second yeah. team. Um, no, he will. He will. There's no question. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think that that last third team guard spot comes down to Beal, 
Kemba, maybe DeMar DeRozan as well. Because if you're going for the team success argument, then DeMar should be in over both of those guys. Yep. I agree with that. That's fair. But I I personally would have Beal just because of what he's done in particular since John Wall's injury. Which, yeah. which I mean, look, the third team is the most interesting one. Because a lot of these guys, Dame's going to be locked, so he's got the, all, the uh, Supermax eligibility sealed up. He's going to be eligible for it. Beal, if he gets it, becomes Supermax eligible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the center spot, which we'll get to in a second, also has a lot of money riding on it. Forwards, though, do you think LeBron makes it even though he played, what, like 55 games this year? It's LeBron. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, he will make it, obviously. Yeah, I, I think we're overthinking it if we say he should not be on there. I know this yeah, whole we, Lakers season. Yeah, we'd be Kyrie. We'd yeah. basically <laughs> be going Kyrie, going to like a big think tank. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. you're galaxy-braining if you're yeah. putting anyone else. I mean, LeBron should be in. Look, he didn't yeah. play that much, but he still put up LeBron. He averaged 27-8-8 eight, eight while he was on the floor. Like, I don't care. He's in. He's in 55 games, if I'm not yeah. mistaken? Yeah. Okay. He's in. So, last forward spot, I feel like mm-hmm. it comes down to Blake Griffin, Anthony Davis, LaMarcus Aldridge, probably. Yeah. So, let's talk about it. Davis, right? Yeah. He played 56 games. So, mm-hmm. you, so if LeBron is in, you can't use the argument against Davis that he didn't play enough. That's true. Davis averaged 26 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, <laughs> 1.6 steals, 2.4 blocks. And in 33 minutes a game, because obviously at the end of the season, he was playing like 20 minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. So that drastically reduced his overall numbers. Like he was at... I think 28 and 13 for the vast majority of the season. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, he should absolutely be in. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be it, that shouldn't even be a question. Mm-hmm. But given context of the whole trade request, like should that factor in? Because this is why I hate the awards, Brian, yeah. and the, the selections. Because what are the rules? I think, especially given. Yeah, like I, I think the, the the trade request and how that went down and like the disaster of the season that became of it, I think that knocks him out. Personally, but like should it though? Yeah, I think so. Like if he didn't if he had just shut his mouth until the summer and then not tried to undermine his team, he would have been a third team setter. He would have gotten a Supermax offer and they could have said no, and then they could have just traded him. But All right. All right, then I am putting. Then I'm officially putting Bradley Beal in at my second team. Okay, that's good. I'm fine with that because, yeah, because then I'm removing Kyrie for those. If because if that if okay. the trade request has any effect, if if this has doesn't have an, if if uh, external effects has a or situations has an effect on this kind of tier. Yeah, like then it should be consistent throughout, right? If if having a super negative effect on your team's chemistry, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Um, and then by that extension, what about LeBron? Why is he in? Because I... LeBron didn't... Personally, oh, come on. Don't I know, begin. I, I know, but he didn't He didn't do it to the extent... Like, he, you know, he did his typical Dude. LeBron mock. But you know what you're getting. When you, when you sign LeBron James, you know what that you're signing right. up for. That like, we agree on. Yeah. I actually recently made a point about that. 
<laughs> on a Danish article. So oh, really? That's right. yeah. yeah, I mean, this is just, it comes with the territory. He, you know, he's, if not, he, if he isn't the best player in the league anymore, he's number two or number three or whatever. Like, he's one of the best players in the league, but he comes with the baggage of he is going mm. to try to overthrow your coach. He's going to try to overturn your roster. He's going to say all the right things, but he yeah. is going to have people in the back. He's working, like, he watched a little too much Game of Thrones when he's... Oh, yeah. so it's different when you when you know a guy's an ass. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then why then why were we excluding Jimmy Butler from the All Star game? Everyone <laughs> knew he was an ass. Well, his numbers also fell out. Yeah, that's fair. He was but not. Still, I mean, he, like he went MIA for most of this season. We really need to have a rule book on this thing. I need yeah. to figure out how we vote for these things because now we're actually going <laughs> into like the the fabrics of hey, you know a guy is an asshole, right? Well, and I mean, why it's for Davis yeah. too. The Pelicans, if you're rewarding wins, the Pelicans are nowhere near the playoffs, and it's because of him, like because because he made the trade request, which then led yeah. to them effectively benching him, but like. In pseudo purgatory, benching him for two months of the season that caused them right. to fall out of the playoff race. You know, if you're rewarding success, it should go to either Lamarcus Aldridge, who is in the playoffs, or Blake Griffin, who we don't know that that race is coming down the last day of the season, but yep. is in position to make the playoffs. So for me, I'm going Blake just because he. I mean, he's had a resurgent season. Like, yeah, no, no, Blake, Blake is is deserving as hell. I just wanted to have a conversation about yeah. it because it seems weird to me that like LeBron is is considered like a lock, right. and then we have Davis, like because Davis been made out to be the bad guy in all of this, even though LeBron is just like pulling the strings. <laughs> everyone knows it, but he's kind of like, oh, that's fine. It's LeBron. I just I hate that mentality. It's just so dumb. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's wrap up then with the third team center spot. Which again, if you you know, I don't know where Davis would even qualify. Like he might be a center instead of a forward, in which case he could be squeezed in here. If you want to put Blake as your forward, you could put Davis. No, as your I'm center. not. I'm not putting. I'm not putting Brow over Gobert. Yeah. Well, so Gobert or Towns? No, Gobert. That's where Gobert. I lean to. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, the defense alone is is just outstanding. He's such an improving offensive player, and and he and Donovan Mitchell play so well together it Mm -hmm. seems like they they are really going to be like one of those long-term pairings at least i hope so like i I respect carl towns for just becoming like i i I don't even know just a crazy versatile offensive player just an an absolutely insane offensive beast but i mean i I just don't think he has the same kind of positive effect on the basketball game as gobert does yeah i think gobert Again, I said this when we were talking about DPOY, but a lot of what he does doesn't show up on a standard box score. Mm-hmm. And I think, so in that regard, like if you're looking at just per game stats, then Towns blows him out of the water. But because of his impact defensively, and also, I mean, he's a great screen setter. Like yep. he frees up those shooters on Utah a lot. Like Donnie and Joe Ingles wouldn't be as effective without Rudy Gobert laying bone-crunching screens. So I think for in that regard... It's tough to, like, ignore. I know Towns made it in the All-Star game over Gobert. So, in theory, I mean, Towns has only been better since the All-Star game than he was before the All-Star game. And, look, he's got $32 million riding on the line, too. Like, if he makes the third-team spot, his extension turns into a Supermax. And so, 
for that reason, and also because I want to see Utah fans melt down, I almost kind of hope Towns makes it, just because if you're going to be stuck in purgatory with Andrew Wiggins for the next five years, at least get that bag. <laughs> uh, but I think Gobert, Gobert is more deserving of the two. Yeah, and there's also another thing I've noticed with Utah and Gobert, which I think needs to be mentioned. He actually provides spacing without being a shooter. Because yeah. when he dives towards the rim, mm-hmm. he does so, so effectively and so quickly that the defense just rotates and often over-rotates, leaving Donovan Mitchell or Joe Ingles or wherever with a semi-open shot or at least a one-on-one situation. And for Donnie in particular, like that's that's just cookies. Yeah. Well, Mort, you made it through another awards pod. You don't have to do this for six more months, seven more months, somewhere oh, around there. Nice, nice. Yeah. I, I just, I just want to say one thing though. Please. You know, if Karis LeVert had not gone down, uh-huh. I know. All right, I, I know. Yeah, I mean, to our credit, the the sun has shined on a dog's ass today because we both had Giannis as preseason MVP. We both had Luca as Rookie of the Year. We both had mm-hmm. Gobert as Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, our, I had Bud as Coach of the Year, too. Our six-man did not age well. I had Tyreek. You had Bobby Portis. But you did have Karis Levert as MIP. I had Brandon Ingram, which was not great. And I don't remember if we chose Executive of the Year, but I had it written down somewhere that I chose Rob Polinka. So I cannot think of a better way to end this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Then deleting that from the annals of history, I never ever. I mean, look, you got LeBron. What? Who? Who cares that all of his other moves were terrible and that he undermined the entire season? Who? Who could have seen that coming? Yeah. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, it should be coming out on Monday. So again, if you, if we missed anything over the weekend, we apologize. But schedules were such that we had to do it on Friday. So yep. Next episode is our playoff preview. We're only a couple days away yeah, baby. from the end of the regular season. The real fun starts very soon. Sixers Bucks yeah. last night was a good preview of that. So we will be back later this week with a playoff preview. Until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Mort, enjoy these last few days of the regular season. I, I don't think I'm going to watch a single Sixers game until the playoffs. I can't do it anymore. No, <laughs> no I, I'm pretty much out of the remainder of the regular season as well. Yeah. I, I've basically been gone. I, I've gone into uh, both NCAA and Marvel mode because I'm prepping ah, for nice. Endgame. Like I'm just watching all of them through. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I need to be ready. I'm watching Game of Thrones. Uh, this is a fun secret to drop an hour and a half into this podcast, but I had never seen Game of Thrones from start to finish, so I am trying oh. to catch up before. Oh, now. how far are you? Uh, right now, I just started season three, so I got I got some work to do. That's why I'm not watching any Sixers games. Well, I'm not wasting what, my time. What's your on... initial your initial thoughts? Good. Oh yeah, I'm super hooked. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. Okay, I just good. can't like. I always used to work on Sunday nights, so I couldn't pay attention because there's like ten things going on every episode. Right. And it's hard to keep track, and like, so I, you know, I've seen most of season seven. Uh, I've seen parts, bits and pieces. Like I know the big plot points that are coming, so I'm not going to be horrifically surprised right. by the end of season three. But uh, it's fun getting context for all these characters. I, I, I'm enjoying that a great deal. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
So wish me luck, listeners. I got a long way to go. It's like 40 sub hours <laughs> in the next week. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not watching Bulls Sixers anymore. Screw that. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, I won't be either. Good. Good. Then we will not have any Bulls Sixers analysis, but we will have a playoff preview soon. But more enjoy enjoy the Marvel Marathon. Yeah, thank you so much. And hopefully I'll be more lucid next time around because it is 2 a.m. And (laughs) I need to go hit the hay. Do it. All right. Catch you later, man. You too, man. Take care. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.